Welcome to a conversation powered by Connected Learning, where we chat with some of today's leading minds about new learning approaches designed for the demands and opportunities of the digital age. Connected Learning values the new ways many young people today access information, gain expertise, and learn alongside peers and mentors using the internet, social networks, and digital technology. We're excited you're here to join the conversation as we seek to make learning relevant. Hi, this is Lee Rank. Associate Producer for the Connected Learning Alliance. Today we're talking with Joe Kahn about Connected Learning, specifically his experience with and insights on digital media's influence on youth civic and political participation. Reading off all of Joe's accomplishments could take several minutes, so we'll hit on just a few highlights. Joe is the John and Martha Davidson Professor of Education at Mills College. He's also the chair of the Digital Media and Learning Research Hub's Youth and Participatory Politics Research Network. He's also a co-principal investigator of the research network's quantitative research component called Mapping Youth Participatory Politics. All right, to get started, Joe. Lately, there seems to be a consistent thread of conversation among educators, especially that our education paradigm needs an update for the 21st century. What, in your opinion, are some of the most pressing issues and what can be done about them? Well, thanks and thanks for this opportunity. The, uh, I, I think I might highlight two, two big priorities. Uh, one is that we really have an educational paradigm right now that in many respects is emphasizing uh, a very traditional and I'd say outdated vision of what it means to be well-educated. So a great deal of what's going on both and especially in schools but even more broadly is focused on students' ability to master uh, a set of skills that, and, and to know a uh, forms of knowledge that are relatively fixed. And those kinds of skills and knowledge, while valuable, really don't necessarily prepare young people for the kind of uh, engagement with society, either through work or through uh, being a, you know, an active member of the society that they'll need. Um, so the kind of more authentic engagement with ideas uh, the ability to really problem solve. These are things that are not getting the kind of attention they need within the current education paradigm. The second thing I'd highlight, and this is obviously a big focus in the work that, that I'm involved with and, and certainly a focus uh, of a great deal of the Connected Learning Alliance's work, is uh, that in the mainstream, attention to civic life and preparation for engagement in the community gets relatively little attention. Um, so there's a huge amount of attention on being what's often called college and career ready. Uh, in the work that we're doing in Oakland, for example, we've expanded that focus to being college, career, and community ready because we think being an active participant in society is a crucial part of what it means you know, to be prepared for the world. And, and this is something that, again, uh, doesn't get the kind of attention it needs in the current education paradigm. In 2012, your report on youth participation in politics, you found that digital media had a large influence on and boost civic and political engagement. 
how do you see the role of digital and social media in education and learning? And what would you say are the major concerns and the major possibilities? Well, I, I think, you know, what you summarized is, is right. Our, our 2012 report really highlighted the fact that digital media provided a great deal of expanded opportunity for young people to be engaged both civically and politically in, in what we call a form of engagement that, that we call participatory politics. And if we're going to prepare young people for participatory politics, there's a huge amount that uh, digital and social media uh, can do uh, that can be tapped and uh, in the education process, and there are important ways in which uh, young people can learn to use those, uh, the affordances of those technologies to really engage civically and politically in positive ways. Um, so some of it, just in terms of the, the role it will play in the education system, is connected to things like the opportunities uh, for peer-to-peer -peer learning, the opportunity for young people to have authentic audiences, to share the work that they create with, to get feedback from uh, their peers and broader social networks rather than only from the teacher. And all of that, I think, enables the kind of authentic uh, learning that, that is needed as well as opportunities and it sort of tilts towards a focus on production and production for a purpose. And all of that is, I think, very important in terms of shaping high-quality learning. And do you have any major concerns on that, on that same topic? Well, there certainly are, there, yeah, there certainly are concerns, uh, not so much tied to uh, the kind of role that education can play uh, in supporting people for participatory politics, but there are many people, for example, who want to use digital media uh, or uh, what they think of as the internet and computers as a way to either drill on basic skills or to deliver content uh, more cheaply, uh, frequently through formats that don't allow for a lot of interaction. And uh, while that can work for some kids, for most kids it's unlikely to work. And so I think to the extent that we view the use of technology as simply a way to more efficiently deliver content, uh, I think it's not that much more likely to be successful than, you know, just giving kids textbooks and saying, read them and good luck with that. Um, I, think, I think we have to do a lot more. And so there is always a risk that people imagine, you know, that people can just go on YouTube and learn whatever they need to know. And uh, that's going to work for some kids and it's going to work in some instances in really powerful ways. But when it comes to really preparing all kids, uh, it's still going to take uh, educators, both in school and out, to be supporting and guiding and constructing good learning environments. You've spoken and written a lot about the importance of digital media literacy in young people's lives, both in and out of school. How can adults, whether teachers, mentors, or parents, help support the development of these kinds of literacies? Well, I think, uh, I think you're right. We really believe that if people are going to tap the power and the affordances of these new media, uh, they've really got to develop and enhance uh, their digital media literacy. So it's everything 
from knowing how to tell what's credible and trustworthy to knowing how to do search in a powerful way so you get the kind of information and perspectives you're looking for uh, and, and that, that are valuable. Uh, and it's knowing not just how to consume information, but also how to produce and share information uh, so that the kinds of things that, that any individual believes or is learning can, can help both their peers and the broader, the broader uh, world or so their social network certainly uh, benefit from what they're doing. Um, in terms of supporting this, I think there's a big role for teachers, mentors, and parents. Uh, as well as for their peers in supporting that literacy development. So, for example, we know from a Pew Internet and American Life survey that the most common place that young people go when they're unsure about, uh, you know, how to handle something that's occurring online uh, is to their parents. And uh, certainly mentors can play that role as well, teachers can play that role. And to the extent that schools and youth organizations start focusing more and more on these issues, I think we're going to see teachers and mentors playing that role to an even greater degree. Of course, a part of it is that often uh, young people are more immersed in and more uh, aware of many of the dynamics around the new digital media than are adults. So there's some catch-up that uh, teachers and mentors and parents have to play uh, so that they can be helpful in this regard. Uh, frequently, one views uh, anything you don't understand as risky, and so there's a risk, I think, a very real risk, that teachers, mentors, or parents who may be under unfamiliar with some of the things young people are doing will view them as risky and problematic uh, just because they're unfamiliar with them. And so a big part of what we need is uh, for those folks who want to be guides to young people to develop uh, a greater knowledge of that space. You've shown that digital and social media can be used to drive youth interest in terms of politics. How do you think interest-driven learning can be used in other aspects of children's lives? Well, I think, it, you know, so sort of core to, I think, any rich understanding of what drives learning is a recognition that uh, people, people want to learn about something that they're interested in. Now, to some extent, these are interests that people, or in this case, young people, already have. And to some extent, uh, educators, mentors, parents expose young people to things they may not realize they would be interested in. And through that exposure, they, they nurture and develop those interests. So both, both of those dynamics are important. But ultimately, uh, the motivation for learning uh, is greatly enhanced when one is interested and when one has the space and freedom and thanks to digital media, the ability to pursue the kind of knowledge and understandings and information uh, that they're looking for uh, around things that they're interested in. So I think interest-driven learning will be helpful in, in uh, really all aspects of learning. One way we introduce connected learning to people is to say that it builds on the three R's of education reading, writing, and arithmetic by introducing a fourth R, relevance, as in making learning in the classroom relevant to life outside it. Why do you feel this need for relevance is so important for youth? Yeah, I do think it's incredibly important. So a piece of it is that one of the drivers of interest is relevant. So to the extent that something is relevant, it's much more likely 
that people will be interested in it and will pursue it and will uh, try to gain a deeper understanding in, in relation to whatever the content is. It is, it is one of the costs of where a lot of uh, traditional education has gone is that the notion of relevance has disappeared as the primary reason. You know, in other words, why are we bothering to learn this? To the extent that we say the reason we want to learn this is because it'll help us get a job or get into college. We're sort of obscuring the actual reason that we want to learn anything. And I think that can lead us both to focus on things that aren't particularly valuable, but it can also really sap the kind of motivation and engagement that will lead to deeper understandings. So I think to the extent that educators, again, whether they're parents or mentors or, or peers interacting or teachers, can help young people see the connections between the kinds of skills they're developing and their value in, in the broader world as well as in their, their current, you know, the current world they live in, which is heavily structured by family and school, uh, I think that that the likelihood that kids will be motivated and that they will more deeply engage in the content will be increased. And it will also, to the extent that you can't show that something's relevant, it may lead young people to look elsewhere to an area that's going to ultimately be more productive for them. Out of Connected Learning's three learning principles, which are interest-powered, peer-supported, and academically oriented, and Connected Learning's three design principles, which are production-centered, openly networked, and shared purpose. Which is the most exciting to you and why? So that's a tough, a tough one to answer, so I think I'll answer it in a slightly different way. I think what's most exciting to me about this framework of the Connected Learning Principles is that it mentions all of them and all of them simultaneously. So one of the problems, for example, with much traditional education is that the focus, say, is on academically oriented and isn't on whether or not, for example, there's peer support or interest connected to it. And I think we know that frequently that doesn't live up to its potential. Similarly, there's plenty of times when peers are interacting that are not particularly productive, but if we can tie it to interests rather than kind of, a, say, an endless uh, focus on certain aspects of social life, uh, or if we can tie it to academics, I think there are ways to get much more value out of those peer interactions. And the same for interest. So I think that it's really the fact that we're pursuing or providing all three of those uh, aspects at the same time that's really uh, so valuable. Similarly, production has a great deal more power when it's also tied to an open network and to a shared purpose because all of a sudden now there's a real audience for this stuff that's being produced. Whereas if we say, you know, what are you going to produce that you're going to share only with your teacher, it has a great deal less power. So I think it's the, it's the fact that we're looking at these different uh, principles in combination that really makes them the most powerful. All right, Joe. We're already coming to the end of our conversation with you, and I just want to see if there's any project, event, or publication of yours coming up that you'd like to plug. And also, why don't you let folks know how they can connect with you online? So if anyone wants to be in direct touch with me, certainly feel free to you know, shoot me an email. is probably the easiest way. Uh, my email is just jkahne 
at mills, M-I-L-L-S, dot E-D-U. Uh, but you're also welcome to visit our uh, Youth and Participatory Politics website. Um, and um, you were asking about things we might like to, uh, to plug. Uh, I think one thing would be that we have, uh, we have a number of new papers that have just come out. Um, so if you go, for example, to our Youth and Participatory Politics website, which is ypp.dmlcentral.net, there's a number of papers that have just been released. Um, one of them is focusing on uh, American Muslim youth and the way they think about culture and politics and participation. Another is uh, a, a great uh, paper by uh, Elizabeth Soap. Uh, that focuses on participatory politics and tries to give uh, an outline of the different kinds of strategies that folks can use to really leverage the full power of that. Um, we have a paper that's just come out uh, that looks more broadly on youth, new media, and the rise of participatory politics. Uh, so there's a good bit of different uh, content tied tightly to the participatory politics framework that's being released, uh, and, and certainly we'd love it if, uh, if people are interested, if they take a look at it. Awesome. Thanks so much for chatting with us here at Connected Learning today, Joe. Not at all. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us here at the Connected Learning Alliance. If you missed any of this conversation or want to listen to more discussions, check out our website at clalliance.org or subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes. See you back here for more talks with change makers and thought leaders who are building the next generation of learning.